0: When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 36 of our study, Exodus, God's great rescue. And we are in the middle, or in the first part of the Ten Commandments. Now, do you remember what the first two commandments are? Remember that... Um, Everybody has a different numbering system of the Ten Commandments. And Lutheran has its own unique numbering system. It's very much like Roman Catholics until you get to like the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth commandments. But one through seven are the same in Lutheran and Roman Catholic. Uh, But Protestant, but um, Reformed, which would be Calvinism, Presbyterianism and all that, they actually, uh, they add an extra commandment up at the beginning. So commandment number one is you shall have no other gods besides me. And then our commandment two uh, is um, the one we looked at yesterday. Do you remember what the commandment two was we looked at yesterday? Uh, Do not misuse the name of your Lord, your God in, in vain. That's number two for us. But for um, Calvin and the Reformed, the, remember, the first part, the first commandment was, you shall have no other gods but me. And then right after that, you shall have no graven images. Um, that's a pretty important commandment. And and that's why the Jewish people don't take, they don't say the name of God. So Luther kind of took one and one B, put it together, and that's commandment one. Um, but Calvin broke that into two commandments. So for us, the sec- for Lutherans, the second commandment is do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Don't take God's name in vain. That's our second commandment. But for Presbyterians or Baptists or anybody that kind of follows the Reformed tradition, you're going to see that they are going to call these commandments differently. The Do not misuse the name. Do not take the Lord's name in vain is the third commandment, while for us it's the second. So we're off a bit by commandments. So I'm not spending a whole lot of time on the numbering of them just kind of going through the commandments and whatever numbering system you want to put together, God didn't actually number them in scripture. And if you look at all of them, you could count to 14 or 15 commandments. Uh, but historically the Jewish, um, the Israelites people kind of called this the Decalogue, the 10 commandments, and they have their own numbering system also. And if you go to uh, Wikipedia under 10 commandments, uh, you'll find all the different numbering systems. I think there's about eight of them. And you can see all the different commandments and how they're numbered by the various people. Uh, and it, I think at the end, I'm going to pull that up and show everybody just, just to kind of give you a refresher course. And I've thought about, should we come up with some unique um, way of of uh, identifying all these commandments? And, um, and I'm still thinking about that because we did that for the 10 plagues uh, but I bet you, do you even remember the 10 plagues? Let's see if you can remember the 10 plagues, right? The the little algorithm that we had for the 10 plagues. We're just gonna do a refresher course. One was the bloody knee. Uh, and what? What? why do you have a bloody knee? Because you fell, but um, blood in the water. That was the first plague. And then sitting on your bloody knee is this ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. Was a toad or a frog? That's the second f- plague. And then the fly, frog has two eyes, right? A left eye and a right eye. That would be the flies and the gnats or the gnats and the flies. That's one, two, three, four. And then surrounded, as you're sitting there, so you're surrounded by animals, right? They're looking at you. It's the five golden rings. That's the fifth a plague. And that is that the animals get sick. And then in front of you have this boiling pot of water, right? Uh, that's it's a stew or something like that. And a boiling pot of water. The boils is the sixth plague. And then... Coming into the boiling water to try to cool it off or these hail. So that's the, let's see, that'd be the five, six, that's the seventh plague is hail. Uh, and then you had locusts that come on the pot and the locusts cover the land. And so that's the eighth. And then darkness, it all gets dark. That's nine. And then the 10th plague is the killing of the firstborn. So I don't, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but it helps me try to remember it. Um So I don't know. We'll see if we get into some sort of memory device to come up with the plagues. I think if I do it, though, I'd actually like to get all the plagues. Because it'd be really cool if one of you were on uh, one of these game shows that says, can you identify the 10 plagues? And you give them like all 14 of them uh, and say, yes, but if you're Reformed, it's this plague. And if you're Roman Catholic, it's this plague or whatever. Anyway, so we are going to go ahead and get into Exodus chapter 20. We're going to get into the next... uh, not plague, commandment. Get into, the, get into the commandments. So we're going to just start reading in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this is a very interesting commandment. I think of all of the commandments, this is the most interesting. Why? Because in Western American culture, which calls itself to be Christian, we don't actually keep this commandment, do we? How many of you prevent yourself from uh, not doing any work for your sons or daughters, your female servants, or any foreigner residing in your land? Like you don't let anybody do work on on the Sabbath. And the answer is none of us do because we live in Western American culture and there's always something going on on a Sabbath day. We, we, have, we have not set up our culture as being a Sabbath following culture. Now we may have 100 years ago or 200 years ago, but we don't seem to do it today. And, and the Christian church doesn't seem to be bothered by this, at least the modern Christian church. Now why is that? Well, let's talk about that. First of all, this is the one commandment that we have that is more for the community than it is for the individual. It, now, the individual can keep the Sabbath, and it is directed at individuals, but it is a communal, um, com- a communal commandment. In other words, when he says, it's not only you, but it's your sons, your daughters, your servants, your animals, any foreigners, it's like the whole town needs to shut down on the Sabbath day and remember the Sabbath day because we need rest the purpose of this is that we need rest god created on six days and then he rested on the seventh day and so in a agrarian society in an early primitive society that doesn't have cell phones that doesn't have cars or whatever uh, doesn't have internet doesn't have um, amazon all these things that we have today Uh, The only way that the society could really work is if like the whole town shut down for the Sabbath. It's like we all prepare for the Sabbath and then we shut down for the Sabbath because everybody needs rest. God created on six days and then he rested on the seventh day. God shows us because God doesn't need rest, but he shows us that we as human beings need rest. Now, why is that? It's because... We cannot go, go, go seven days a week. It's just not how the body is created. And yet, uh, and notice it's here, your slaves and your servants, it's like everybody has to shut down. We are going to do this for everybody. If you're going to live in a town that is predominantly or run by um, Jewish law, it has to shut down and everybody has to follow the Sabbath. Everybody gets, everybody gets a day of rest, including the servants. It's like we're all gonna rest because we all need it. Now essentially, by the time of the Roman Empire, um, at the time of Jesus, not everybody was following this rule. Some people were working seven days a week. As a matter of fact, most people worked seven days a week. Um, unless you were Jewish and you were strictly following Jewish law, then you would try to take a day off if the culture around you allowed you to take a day off. But in the early Christian church, at the time of um, the early church, uh, they they did not, they worked seven days a week because that's how difficult it was, you had to do that in order to survive. And the whole society around you didn't didn't take off a whole day. And so, Like, for example, to worship on on Sunday, you would, in order to worship, because remember, a lot of the people that were early church, there was Jewish people. Of course, they probably still took a day off because they were Jewish. But the Gentiles, I mean, one of the big things, difference between Gentiles and Jewish people is that Gentiles worked all the time because they had to, because they wanted to get ahead in life. Uh, They wanted to be able to have all the things that that culture brought to them. Um, but at some point God says, no, you need to take Sabbath. You have to rest from your labor. You have to do that. Um, the reason why we have our weekends off in Western American culture is because we still have a a historic Jewish presence of Saturday, which is their day off and Sunday, which is the Christian day off. Seventh day Adventists take off Saturday, um, because they kind of still follow the old Jewish tradition they don't take off Sunday, and just having it was a good compromise to say when they started making labor laws. It's like let's work five days a week and let's take our weekends off. Uh, but there's but there's nothing for I mean there's no reason other than American labor law there's there's no reason why you couldn't work six days a week and then take the seventh day off. That would certainly be biblical. Uh, it would certainly be a, a way to to organize your life. Um, But in today's Western American culture, we take off two days. We get off Saturday and Sunday. But if you are a, in some industries, that is even, you can't do that. In some industries, you have to be on call 24-7. Like if you're the president of the United States, you can't say, okay, don't attack us on a, you know, all, all our enemies, don't attack us on Saturday and Sunday because that's my weekend. No, when you are a certain position in the world, you um, are on call 24-7. If you're the doctor in the small town community, right, and somebody gets sick, you can and you're the only doctor, you can't say, hey, don't, you know, don't talk to me. It's Sunday or Saturday. No, we have become, we have progressed beyond, um. The community taking off a particular day where everybody's at rest. Now, if you were, um, you know, if you're if you're a doctor, you can't just say, "I'm sorry, I can't come see you." I mean, th- th- there are some positions where you just have to be available twenty four seven. And uh, so, if you're in one of those positions, if you're in one of those careers where you have to be available twenty four seven, it doesn't mean you it it doesn't mean you can't you don't take rest. It just means you have to structure. Your period of rest differently, so that you do get a period of time of rest, but plus you're available when the people need you. I will tell you what I do. Um, in In seminary, and even uh, when I took some classes post seminary, they insisted that uh, pastors take off one day. Um, you know, a lot of pastors will get Saturday, and then they say you should take off. Um, one day a week, like a Monday or a Friday, and then Saturday. So you get two days. Um, You know, you can work real hard the rest of the days, but you have to take those two days off. And they were insistent upon that. Um, But when you're starting a new church uh, and you have to meet when other people are meeting, you know, it's just... It, it's it worked out where you just rarely get a whole day off like it, even a Saturday or a Friday or a Monday it's just it just doesn't work that way now today it's a little bit easier because we're older we're more mature and we have you know systems set up and that sort of thing but early on um, it you know just pretty difficult to take a day off uh, and and my mentor would yell at me <laughs> saying you're not taking enough time off and it's like well you know come walk in my shoes for a while buddy <laughs> um, but uh, the, the fact is, is that even even today, uh, it's hard to take a full day off. And so what I've learned to do over the last you know four or five years is to take periods of time off where I'm resting, where I'm not doing anything. I'm not thinking about anything, work. Uh, and it's usually at a time when nobody else is thinking about, you know, nobody's going to call me. Um, and so I try to get my, my Sabbath time in there um, because everybody needs Sabbath time. Now, why... Why would people not take Sabbath time? And the reason is, for a lot of people, it's because they get addicted to work. And they love work so much that the more they work in many industries, if you, like, own your company, the more you work, the more you benefit, the more uh, uh, profits you'll get from that industry. And so... A lot of people will start a business and they'll work like crazy because they want to build equity in the business, which is not a bad thing, but you still need rest. You still, there has to be time in your life when you rest. And that's what I so much love about in my life. Um, uh, I have we as a family have been very, very faithful to going to church on Sunday. And then after church, we would go on a picnic or go do something. And that was our time of rest from all because in my life, I've always been uh, at a business that was new and starting out. And the work level was just always crazy through the roof. And uh, but we were always very, very fortunate as a family to always take Sunday off. Like Sunday was the day we go to church and then we come home and we're a family and we do family things together. And it was really the only time that we did that. Work, you know, went by the wayside. Uh, All the different things went by the wayside. It was just that time to spend family time together, which included church. And um, I worry about today's modern millennial families. They don't see the importance of church. Now, the other thing is, and we'll get into this, is that these commandments are no longer regulatory for the Christian life. The Ten Commandments help you how how to live your life so that you don't fall off the cliff, so they're all good, but Jesus has redeemed all of us. And these are not requirements from God. They're good rules, guidelines to live by. But Jesus has brought us into the kingdom. We are no longer bound by any of the Old Testament laws. Um, so we're free and clear from that. But it doesn't mean that these Ten Commandments aren't phenomenally good ways to live your life. And so uh, I would tell any millennial, that you know, be very, very careful about doing so much on Sunday that you forget that it is a day of rest, it's a day of worshiping God, it's a day of gathering together with other Christians, it's a day of being family. Uh, you know, all of that good stuff that happens in a community uh, is so, so, so beneficial. Um, it, it's good to take to force yourself to take a day of rest because if you don't um, take a day of rest, it is so easy for the culture to grab your time and say, I need your time. Um, I I need you on this particular day. The culture always wants to come and grab you on your day of rest. And so we as Christians have to protect ourselves to fight against culture and say, no, this is my sacred time. This is my sacred time with God. It's my sacred time with my family. It's my sacred day of rest. And you are not going to take that away from me. Um, and it's so easier. It's so much easier to do that if the whole culture does that, right? If 150 years ago, if everything shut down, it'd be so easy to make sure that you get a day of rest. But in today's modern culture, oh my goodness, nobody takes it. We're 24-7. Everybody's 24-7 today. And so we really have to fight hard against that cultural demand to carve out time and space for us to do the things that God wants to do, to rest, to worship Him, to enjoy relationships with family and friends and all that sort of thing. We have to make sure that we have that. Otherwise, the culture is just going to keep demanding and demanding and demanding and demanding. Um do I want to talk about, I, when I was regional vice president of a firm in Denver, um, there was a guy who was my vice president and we got into an argument because I was insisting that uh, I had my time off. <laughs> that was very valuable to me. and And he, he, I said, you know, I... I need to spend more time with my family and less time at the office. This is kind of a weird thing, but um he we got into an argument because he's like, No, there are times when you have to work seven days a week, twenty four hours a day and uh and period. Of course he didn't he he didn't have any kids. So that was one. And then two is uh, I said, but how do you I mean how do you do in my he said my wife and I have an understanding. And I remember telling him, I said, well, my family doesn't have that understanding. <laughs> um, and we, we really got into it. It was, a, it was not a pretty thing, uh, which resulted in me eventually leaving that company um, because we didn't come to an understanding. Uh, because the culture always wants to demand more time from you. Uh, and it is so easy to be sucked in to that and to say, uh, I'm going to give every, you know, the highest thing is to make sure that I... You know, please my boss so that uh, you know my job is secure and that uh, my you know my family is secure and all those sort of things. But there are times when you have to fight against that and say, no. God demands rest. He demands time with family. He dem- he dem- there's there are certain requirements as a Christian father that you also must follow. And, and society doesn't understand this. Society always wants to take, 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 take. So we as Christians have to carve out time to make sure that we do spend time with God. We do spend time with church. We do spend time with family. Those things are important to our psychological, mental Christian growth. Uh, and so we have to do that. Um, so, um, but, but we are not bound by these commandments because Christ has freed us. They're good. We should follow them. They'll make our life better, but we are not bound by them because Christ has freed us. He has, he has redeemed us from all the Old Testament law. So if you are... Um, now that's an interesting question too because th- there, are, there are many Christian denominations that kind of feel like we still have to follow the Ten Commandments. Uh, and how do they do this? Well, they, they read this as being Christ. Um, he said, uh, give, give your, uh, take my yoke upon you for my labor, you know, and rest with me because my yoke is easy and my labor is light. So the way that they look at this is that they say that Christ was the fulfillment of this commandment because, um, in Christ we find rest. So we have eternal rest with Christ. So we don't have to be bound by the 10 commandments, you know, this particular commandment anymore, because we find rest in Christ. Uh, And I guess that's, that's true. We do find rest in Christ. But I don't think that's the... I think the flavor of this is that you should take a Sabbath day. But this is hard to do in a culture that doesn't take off a Sabbath day. And this is the one commandment that really is directed towards the whole community of Israel. And this is... If you have a Christian nation that said we're going to follow the we're going to follow God's law as best as we can, it is easier to have everybody take a Sabbath day off. But I think that the cat's out of the bag. You know the Pandora's box has been opened, and we will never ever go back. As this well, I shouldn't say never ever, because you never know. Like we might we might start working seven days a week, twenty four seven. And the, the generation, not the millennials, and not the generation after millennials, but the, the ones that are in their teens today, that generation is a very unique generation. And they, they are engaged in a way that um, their parents and you know older generations were they're, they're much more understanding about there has to be limits on stuff. It's really kind of fascinating. They might be the generation that says, you know what? There is no reason why we should. Let's just shut everything down, right, for, for a Sunday, for the whole weekend, right? We don't need to go out. We can get, you know, we can get our supplies and stuff like that during the week. But let's just, as a society, just to protect the planet, is something they would say. Let's just shut everything down on Saturday and Sunday. You can go to church. Um, you can be with your family. You can walk. You know, you can do that sort of thing. But you can't do a bunch of this stuff. They might actually, it wouldn't surprise me if their generation does follow the Sabbath laws Um, because it is so easy to get sucked in by work and they are going to, they live in the 24 seven generation where they're connected all the time and they know that they should get disconnected from all of that for a period of time. Um, And plus they're the ones that understand how to live their life in such a manner that they don't actually have to go out on a Saturday and Sunday. They they understand all the technology. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what their generation does. But this is definitely a, uh, this commandment doesn't completely work unless it is an entirely, an entire nation devoted to this commandment. Then it works. But if the whole entire nation isn't devoted to the commandment, it's almost impossible to follow it. I remember Jennifer and I, when we first married, we lived in England over the over the summer. I had an internship. And um, the the stores were closed on Sunday. And they weren't in the United States. In the United States, you can go shopping, you know, go to bashes on Sunday. Uh, But in England, all the stores were closed down on Sunday. It was kind of a weird thing. It's like, man, (laughs) but they are a predominantly Christian nation. Like, you know, they they still profess to follow God's law. And so that's what they did. And if you'll remember the Olympics, uh, chariots of fire, right? They had a guy from, wasn't he from England or Australia or something like that? And he was so... He's like, I'm not going to run my race on Sunday. So he didn't run on a Sunday. Whatever that song is. <laughs> anyway, um, so this, I think we'll leave it here. Uh, this is a great commandment to follow. This is, for me, uh, the third commandment, right? Um so, uh, so, or is this the fourth? Anyway, um we're going to get all those commandments. We're going to memorize them. Uh, But let's go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for this day. Um, Help us to live our lives that are pleasing to you, but help us to live a great day today until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.